Good morning. My name is Russell Brown, and I serve on the Elder Council here at FBC. And today we will be reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You may be seated. Good morning. Merry Christmas. We are anticipating a great time of celebration, and uh, this morning we'll spend some time settling our hearts on the good news of how God has helped us through sending His Son. Why don't we take just a moment and pray that God would be with us as we spend some time in His Word. God, we thank You for Your kindness to us, that You have sent Your Son Jesus to die for us, to give us new life through faith in Him. And our prayer is this morning, Lord, as we take just a few moments to think about the good news that you sent Jesus for us, that you might encourage our hearts to trust you, to find peace with you through forgiveness in the good news of a Savior who is born for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of our message this morning is How God Helps. How God Helps. And help is often celebrated even, even when that help is, is sort of mundane. I remember being on a trip once with students and we were in a, a school bus. And as is often the case with school buses, it broke down uh, somewhere on the interstate. I don't know where. This happened so many times. I, I say this happened once as though it only happened once. It happened once per trip. I think is, is what it was. So it would break down, and sometimes you could get the thing going or whatever, and other times you would have to call uh, a tow driver to come out and jump it or jiggle something or, or to tow the thing. And so you're sitting on the side of the freeway, and of course, uh, the tow drivers are always a distance away and also have other things that they're uh, doing, so oftentimes you're waiting uh, for a period of time. And, and uh, um, so a few hours goes by, and all of a sudden, the tow truck appears around the bend. And what happens on the bus? Everybody starts cheering. The tow driver has arrived. Now, the tow driver's job is, is relatively mundane. He shows up with his truck, and he either is able to get the thing running, or he hooks up the bus to his truck and tows it to somewhere where it's going to be fixed. But the help is so needed and so expected that when the help shows up, as mundane as it is, 
The guy in a tow truck, the, the, the bus erupts uh, with cheering. How does a tow driver help? You didn't realize we're going to talk about towing today. How does a tow driver help? There's two ways the how comes in. The how he helps is he uses the tools of his trade to get the problem solved. Maybe he's got some equipment on the truck to get the bus running. If not, he uses the tools of his trade to take the bus to where it can either be repaired or disposed of, I suppose. But there's the other way the tow driver helps. The how he helps is the manner in which he helps, his disposition of how he helps. And that may depend on the time of day or night or the day. Uh, so the tow driver may come out cheery and happy that he gets to and assist a bus get on the road, or it could be at night in the rain. And his disposition may not be cheery. He may have just been called out of his warm bed to come help this school bus away. So either way, his disposition could, be, could fluctuate. And, and, and the reason I bring this up is we are so used to people being able to fluctuate in their disposition that we assume they can help even though their disposition can fluctuate. I can help with a good attitude. I can help with a bad attitude, right? What we discover about God is not only does his disposition not change because God is always consistent with his character and nature. His kindness and his tenderheartedness toward us is the means by which he provides us help. He helps us gladly, and his gladness is that which provides us the help we need. It's both the same. God is always who he is. So I want us to look at, at two occasions where God interacted with people through his angel, Gabriel. One with Zechariah and one with Mary. And look at the two ways he helps. He helps us through his kindness. We're going to see that with Zechariah. He helps us. He's not just kind while he helps, is what we're saying. He helps us through his kindness, because that's who he is. And then we're going to look at Mary, and he helps us through his power. So let's look at Zechariah first. That's in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. We didn't read that portion. Russell read the, the second part that we're going to be in. But we're going to take a close look at here at Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25, Zechariah and his occasion where he happened upon the angel of the Lord, or the angel Gabriel, sent from the Lord. It was during the days of Herod, he was king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, and he was from the division of Abijah, and what this means is he was descended from the line of Aaron. He wasn't merely a Levite, he was also descended from the line of Aaron, among the Levites, and so he was a priest. We also discover that his wife, Elizabeth, was also descended from Aaron. These two were old, and they had no children, and they were both, the Bible tells us in verse 6, if you have your copy of the scripture before you, they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. You good people. They were uh, of the priestly line, Zechariah was of the division of Abijah. And Abijah was one of the several divisions they would be assigned a particular month where they would serve in the temple of the Lord. You can read all about this in the Old Testament. His division was on duty. And among his division, the lot was cast that he would light the incense on the altar of incense. This would happen maybe once in the lifetime of a priest when he was on duty. The lot was cast. Uh, 
what is the casting of the lot? Rolling of the dice or maybe uh, drawing a number out of a hat, we would, be a, would understand that. So we might think of this as sort of a random act of chance that he would be selected. But the priests understood that God directed how the lot was cast. And so Zechariah would have known that when his number came up to go and light the incense, that God himself was directing him to light the incense. That he would go in and do this very important duty, and this would probably be the only time in his entire life when he would have the opportunity to do this. So the lot would be cast, and he gets to go in and and light the incense. While he was doing this, there's also a big crowd on the outside who would be praying as he was going in to light the incense. But what was going on in his own personal life? Verse 7, but they, that is Zechariah and Elizabeth, had no child because Elizabeth was, was barren, and they were both old as dirt. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's probably not an appropriate translation. They were old. That meaning they were, they were old enough that they were beyond the years in which they would have a child. Understand what this verse is saying. It says in verse 6, they were righteous and walked blamelessly before the Lord. And then verse 7, but... But, why, why the but here? Well, we discover it at the end of this section. All the way down in verse 25, Elizabeth says this after she has uh, conceived a child. I don't want to give the, the story away, but she gets pregnant. The Lord has done for me in these days when he looked on me to take away my reproach. Now, we may not understand this to the same degree that they did. We might to a little bit, but... Back then, even more so than today, to be unable to have a child was considered to be judged by God. If a woman couldn't have a child, as hard as that is in itself, the people would have looked at Elizabeth and said, we wonder what she has done wrong, that God has done this thing to her. So there's this great tension in the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth. On the one hand, they're characterized as right and and kind and just and and following the law of the Lord and and being faithful to God and His purposes in their life. On the other hand, there was this great tension that they couldn't have a child, and so therefore they felt judged in their own hearts, but also in their community. She says her reproach is gone before the people. So the people around her, there would have been whispers. There would have been as she came into the room, all of a sudden the conversation changes. And, and she would have felt this, this grief. How is God going to help? How is God going to help? He's going to help according to his kindness. God always helps according to his kindness because God is kind. You probably know kind people who are sometimes not kind. Anybody know people like that? They're very, most of the time, they're very kind, but every now and then, you're like, wow, where did, where did that come from? Since God is kind, he cannot not be kind. I got a negative example of this. There's an old comic strip. Some of you young folks aren't going to remember it. It's called Peanuts. It was, the star of the comic strip was a, a guy named Charlie Brown, the most depressed person I've ever met. I never understood this guy. Like, he, he needed a therapist. Well, of course, Lucy was his therapist. That probably was his problem. 
You get what you pay for, I guess. But speaking of Lucy, they would have this thing. Lucy would hold the football. How many times did Lucy hold the football for Charlie Brown? All the time, every time, all the time, millions of times. How many times did she leave it on the ground? Never. Because that's what Lucy does. Who Lucy is is what Lucy does. She will never leave the football on the ground for Charlie Brown to kick it. It's not going to happen. She is completely and always consistent with her nature, which is, yeah, I I don't want to say it. (laughs) That's the negative example. God, on the other hand, is the positive example. He is kind, and so he is always kind. He can't not be kind. If God is doing something, it is kind. Now, we're going to argue later. I'm certainly you're thinking this. Well, his kindness looks kind of funny sometimes. But that's his nature is kind. He is one who is kind, so he is always consistent with his kindness. And I want us to look at Zechariah's interaction here with Gabriel so we might understand God's kindness to him. So he's offered the, the incense, which is a symbol of the prayers of God. On the outside of the temple, the people are praying. If you look in the book of Revelation, the, the altar of incense has this, sm- this smoke going up before the throne room of God, and God says, this is the prayers of my people. So uh, Zechariah is lighting the altar of incense, symbolizing prayer, while the people are outside the temple actually praying. And in that moment, it says that an angel of the Lord appeared next to the altar of incense. Verse 12, Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Why was Zechariah afraid? Because that was unexpected. An angel of the Lord standing there. That's startling. The angel calms him down and says, don't be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. What was Zechariah praying for? That he would have a child. He wants to have a baby. Why does he want to have a baby? Because that's what he wants. There's there's a number of reasons why he might want to have a child, and we need to maybe broaden our thoughts of where Zechariah is. First of all, he wanted to have a child. Why many parents want to have a child? To have the joy of of having a family with a child. But there's more to it than that when they were alive. A lot of times their children were what we would call social security. You need somebody when you're old to bring in the crops. And you need somebody when you were old to milk the, the cow. And you need somebody when you were old to provide protection for your home. And so your children, especially your sons, provided for you something you could not provide for yourself when you get to that age where it becomes harder to care for yourself. So you can imagine Zechariah entering the years of being elderly, not having anyone in his family to watch after him and his wife. Who is going to bring the crops in? Who is going to make sure that that a robber doesn't invade? Not only that, there was the religious element. They wanted to have a child because they were following the Lord and they didn't have one, so everybody thought there must be something hidden going on in this family because God would only keep you from having a child if you were being punished. So he was praying for a child, and and the angel says, your prayer has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. You will call his name John. You will have joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth because he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink, for he will be filled with the Holy Spirit 
Even from the mother's womb, the angel says, he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So here's what the angel, your prayer has been answered. You're going to have a son and he's going to have a mission and he's going to have a purpose from the Lord. And Zechariah says this, um, so how is that possible? How is it? So he questions the angel. How is that possible? I don't know if you noticed, I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. She's being nice. I'm an old man. My wife is just seasoned. <laughs> the angel of Gabriel, you would imagine when, when, when Zechariah said that to the angel, Gabriel's countenance would have changed just a little bit. You know, hey, here's some good news. And then Zechariah asks him this question, and then Gabriel goes, oh, we're going there. All right, here we go. Uh, Zechariah, I stand before the Lord. I don't know where you hang out on the weekend, Zach. I stand in the throne room of God. And now, bro, it is on. She'll have a child, and you won't be able to speak through all of it. Look what the Bible describes about him. The angel says this. This is going to happen because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled. The angel understood something about Zechariah in that moment. He did not believe. He doubted what God could or would do. And as a result, the angel said, until the child is born, you will be unable to speak. We would also understand he was probably unable to hear because after the child is born, the people have to make signs to Zechariah asking him what he thought the child should be named. So in all likelihood, he could not speak or hear. When he came out, he's unable to speak, but he was able to communicate through signs what happened, and Elizabeth did in fact conceive, and she said, the Lord has removed from me my reproach. A couple of things on Zechariah before we talk about Mary. Zechariah's prayer was unanswered. How long do you think Zechariah prayed for a child? Long time. He's already old enough to not have a child. He's been praying to have a child for decades. Decades he's been praying, Lord, would you please, Lord. And now his prayers have come to that point where many of our prayers, have got, they haven't been answered, they haven't been answered, and now we pray them politely because it feels wrong to not pray it. But in the back of our mind, we're going, this is, this is never going to happen. It, have you prayed prayers like that? Or are you currently praying prayers like that? They're unanswered prayers, and it's been so long, and the silence of the Lord is so deafening that you now just pray them because it seems... It would seem out of line to not pray them, but we all know that nothing's ever going to happen. When did Je Zechariah's doubt start? Did it start when the angel showed up? Do you think that's when Zechariah started doubting the Lord? Do you think he believed the Lord the whole time, and then the angel shows up, and now all of a sudden he's doubting? He has been doubting for so long that when an angel shows up, it doesn't change his mind. He didn't start doubting the day he went to light incense. He didn't start doubting that year. He has been doubting that the Lord would hear and answer his prayers 
for a very long time. Such a long time that when the angel showed up, see, some of us have been praying, Lord, if you would just send an angel to tell me one way or the other, that would be fine. Zechariah has been doubting so long when the angel showed up, it didn't phase him. It didn't melt his heart of disbelief. The angel shows up and he goes, I still don't buy it. That's how long he's been doubting. How does Zechariah deal with his, his unanswered prayer? The same way probably many of us do. Well, the Lord is still faithful, but you just try to, to justify it and come up with the why things are okay. And maybe he's settled, oh, the Lord is, uh, maybe he can bless in other ways. Or maybe he's like many of us, stiff upper lip, just keep moving on. Here's the one thing I want us to, to think about about doubt. Because I know none of us here doubt, right? Not during Christmas. Gabriel came anyway. Have you ever thought about that? Why would the angel Gabriel show up to a doubter like Zechariah? Why would, would the angel Gabriel show up to a guy like Zechariah? Because God is kind. That's how he rolls. He's nice to people filled with doubt and questions and have long since given up that God's going to ever show up. And God worked. How does God help? Through his kindness, even to, and maybe I should say, especially to those whose hearts have long since entered the darkness of doubt and fear. The doubt of Zechariah didn't start with the angel that spoke, when the angel spoke to him, and the doubt of Zechariah couldn't keep Gabriel away. Zechariah's fear and questioning did not keep God from doing precisely what he intended to do according to his kindness, which is bring him a son. What has Zechariah been praying for? A son, and it's been an unanswered prayer, and God answered it even though even though he doubted. See, some of us in here, we're praying for things and we're doubting that God can help. And, and, and then we throw on top of our doubt, guilt and shame. That's, that's always a good combo. I doubt God can help. And now I believe God actually wants to help, but he won't because I'm a doubter. You ever done that? My, my job, and if you haven't done it, now you're going, oh, great. Now I'm doing that. Thanks for bringing it up. So we doubt God can help. And so then we assume since we don't really believe good enough, God isn't going to help. So somehow we've got to gin up some kind of confidence in God so he'll show up and then work. Why does God help? Because he is kind. How does God help? In his kindness. It doesn't depend on us being okay. Because God is always kind even to guys like Zechariah. In fact, it gets better. This is unbelievable. If I were God, I never would have done this for Zechariah. God not only answers his unanswered prayer, here's the, listen carefully, he also answers his unprayed answer. What has Ben Zechariah been praying for? A son. What does God give him? A, a son who was the fulfillment of prophecy. He will be great. It doesn't say Zechariah was praying for awesome sauce, son. He wasn't praying for the forerunner of the Messiah's son. He wasn't praying for the one to fulfill the prophecies towards Elijah, son. He just wanted a kid to bring in the crops and milk a cow. And God now answers a prayer he never prayed. 
your son will be great. Wait, how is this possible? The angel of the Lord tells the doubter that his prayer has been answered, and in fact, we're going to give you more than you ever prayed for. God gives him the prayer that was unanswered, and God gives him his unprayed for answer. You will have a son, and he will in fact be great. What do we need to understand about Zechariah? Good news is hard to believe, especially when we've heard bad news for such a long time. But God's kindness tells us this, that the work he is going to do in our lives and the work he is going to do through the work of Jesus comes as a result of God's kindness and his purpose, not according to whether or not we deserve it. And that is God's kindness to us. How does God work? He always shows us kindness, and that's what we see in the, in the life of Zechariah. Someone who doubted that God would actually show up, God showed up and did more than he had asked for. And for those of us who struggle with doubt and fear, which I might suggest is all of us to some degree, that's really good news, that God always works according to his kindness, not according to how much we believe. The mission of John is to make way the way for the Lord. And in Acts chapter 19, the Bible tells us that the work of John is a baptism of repentance. That is, we need to know that we are sinners, that we need help in order to prepare for the way for the Lord who will provide us salvation from our sins. So good news of the gospel is only good news when we recognize that we need forgiveness from our sin. And that's what John came to do. He came proclaiming repentance. Receive forgiveness from the Lord because we are lost in our sin. And he brings a baptism of repentance. This is God's help to us through his kindness. Okay, let's look at Gabriel's now, his journey to see Mary. How God helps is through his power. Russell read it, and I appreciate that. Mary also receives a visit from Gabriel, and Gabriel gives her this information. He says, Uh, you will have a child. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Verse 29. She was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to figure out what this greeting might mean. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob Jacob forever. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. So what happens is, a promise is made both to Zechariah and to Mary, and the the promises are somewhat similar. You both are going to have a son. Both of them will be great, but here's where the, the differences occur. John is going to be the forerunner, the one who makes ready the way of the Lord, Mary's son will be the Lord who is going to bring good news, the, uh, the kingdom established, and forgiveness to those who will uh, receive him. And how is it possible? That's exactly what Mary asked. Look at verse 34 of Luke chapter 1. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? This is a very different question from Zacharias. This is a, a question of, of what is my role in this situation Whereas Zechariah's question was, how could God possibly do this? Zechariah's question was a question of doubt. Mary's question was a question of process. I don't know how far to get into it because I don't know if you want to explain this to your kids. 
Mary's question was a question of biology. I'm not married yet. Should I get married? Should I consummate my marriage with Joseph? What is the next step? How do we know this? Because at the end of the message, at the end of Gabriel's uh, communication to her, she says, may it be as you have said. She says to the angel, what's my role? Okay, let's do this. She just wanted to know what was the next step. Her question wasn't a question of what God could do or how. Her question was, is how does she participate in it? And the angel tells her exactly how she will participate in it. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Your child will be called the Son of God. She will become with child by the power of God, not through relationship with her husband. Because this child in her is the Son of God, God in the flesh. So God helps through his power. And this is important because the help we need is very serious. The peril that we face in our sin is death. And if God is going to help us, he will have to do it with his power. When God works through his people, he does it with his power. So Jesus is going to be born of Mary. Mary is favored by God because God is kind. And Mary's son is given these titles. King on the throne of David, Messiah, his, 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 uh, his reign will never end. This is God most high being born of Mary. This is what we understand about God's power. God can do whatever he wants, and God can't, will never do anything he doesn't want. Look at verse 37, often quoted. Nothing will be impossible with God. The angel wants us to understand and Mary to understand what God intends to do, he has the power to accomplish. And the angel even confirms this with Mary through her relative Elizabeth. She said, look at your, your relative Elizabeth. She's as old as dirt. And well, the angel didn't say that. She's really old and now she is with child. God has the power to do this. God has the power to establish his kingdom on the throne of David, even if a baby is born in a manger. This is God's power working through his people. How does God help? God helps with power. Finally, look at verse 38 of Mary's response. Mary said this, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I thought of an occasion where I've maybe seen something similar to this, and I know this is... Uh, a well-worn example, but here we go. Lord of the Rings. I know, I mention it a lot, only because it's the best set of movies ever made. Oh, now I'm waffling a bit. Raiders of the Lost Ark is pretty good. <laughs> it's beside the point. Frodo Baggins has the ring of power. Gandalf the Grey shows up at his house, and they both discover or talk about the fact that the great enemy has discovered the location of the ring of power. It's in the Shire, and they're on their way. Frodo Baggins, of course, tries to give it to Gandalf, and Gandalf says so many words, I can't take it. Frodo's holding this ring, and he says, but the enemy is coming here. It can't stay in the Shire. And Gandalf's reply to him was, no, it can't. And what, what was Frodo's reply? You probably know this better. What do I need to do? That was his reply. What do I need to do? All of a sudden, the whole world has come crashing down. Everything looks bleak. 
All right, what's the next step? Okay, what do I need to do to handle my part of this? This is what we see in Mary here. God says, you will conceive, and it won't be of Joseph. And how many problems is that going to cause Mary? A lot of problems. Joseph almost leaves her. Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Elsewhere we read, we know that the Messiah being born to her will be a spear to her own heart. One, because she's going to have to watch her son be crucified on a cross one day. But worse than that, a day will come when some people will come to Jesus and there's this huge crowd around him. And Mary and, and her other kids are outside and somebody comes to Jesus and says, your mom and your brothers, they're outside and they, they want to come see you. And what does Jesus reply? My mothers and my brothers are these, these people. What do you think that did to Mary? Think that was hard to hear? Of course it was hard to hear. Was it the truth? Yes, this is Jesus, the son of God, not Mary's kid. And this is, any mother would struggle with that. And Mary says, maybe in some way looking and understanding exactly where this is headed in her own mind, I know this road is going to be a challenge, but let it be to me as you have said. Let it be me according to your word. What do I need to do? God helps through his power, and because God wants to help through his power, often we might suggest that he works most powerfully through those who are most weak, and that's what we see in Mary. His power was believed, and she says, I am the servant of the Lord. Her belief moved into action despite the reality that there might be some very negative results to her carrying the Messiah, which in fact there were. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It would be, we'd be remiss not to mention this passage the Sunday before Christmas. Verse 4, Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was out of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Jesus helps. Through his kindness, he sends his son to provide a sacrifice for our sin, even though we doubt and even though we're afraid. And in his kindness, he works powerfully through those who are most weak. Mary and Joseph, in the king of the world, lies in a manger. I want to read two other passages. I think they'll be up on the screen as a way of uh, wrapping up our study this morning. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 76. This is a song or a poem that Zechariah wrote after John was born and after God had once again restored to him speech. He wrote this about John the Baptist and his role in the kingdom of God. Here's what he says. And you, child, he's talking about John the Baptist here, you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Look at verse 78. If 
if, it, if you still have it there. Because of the tender mercy of our God. Can you think of anyone besides Zechariah who knows better the tender mercy of God? Who now, after this time of doubt and fear and questioning, decades of wondering if God would ever show up, and decades of maybe even being in that place, having already decided God will not show up, and then God, out of his kindness, does show up, and here's Zechariah, better than anyone maybe, saying, God is a God of tender mercy. Maybe I would say it this way to those of us who even the week before Christmas are full of doubts and troubles in our mind about who God is and what he is up to. I might suggest if, if that's you, it's because you're a person. You're a human. Regardless of the level of our doubt and regardless of how much we're troubled by God and what he has or hasn't done and how much our, uh, the clouds have come in or not come in, here's the thing. God is for you, not because you are awesome or not awesome. God is for you because that's what he's like. He's that kind. God is with you. He is for you. His project in you, his work in you will be completed, not because you deserve it, but because he is kind. And he's always faithful to do the work he has said. And we should believe what Zechariah says. God is full of tender mercy. Answers. Zechariah's prayers and even answers the things he hadn't prayed for. Let's look at what Mary prayed for. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 51. This is, of course, part of a much larger poem or song. I'm just reading a part of it. Luke chapter 1, verse 51 through 53. Here is what Mary says about the power of God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in thoughts of their hearts he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Because God is powerful, he is able to completely oppose his enemies. He is able to establish those that he determines to favor. God's activity in our lives is merely an expression of his power, not an expression of our righteousness or deservedness. His favor toward us is, a, is an expression of his kindness that he empowers. And Mary here says one of the ways he glorifies himself is to exalt those of, of humble estate because it most displays his power. How does God help? He, he helps through his kindness and he helps in his power. We'll end with this question just to get you thinking a little bit. Where are you today? Do you find yourself doubting like Zechariah? Been praying for stuff for many, many years? Or maybe today you're like many of us. You have been moved by the power of God in your life, and you're exulting in God's power the way Mary had been. What we can understand about God is whether we find ourselves struggling with doubts or moved by the power of God God's purpose in our life will be done not because of where we're at, but because God is kind and God is powerful. And the work of God that he was establishing through bringing John and through bringing Jesus is very specific. It was the work to save sinners. Jesus came to provide a way for our sin to be forgiven by dying on the cross for us and raising from the dead. 
And the most powerful thing he did was to provide for us salvation for all who would believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, the Bible says. Saved from our sin and saved from our death. Whether you are filled with doubt or filled with the joy of the Lord, we can trust Jesus. How does God help? Through his kindness and through his power. Will you join me as we pray? God, we thank you for your grace in sending Jesus to die for us. We are grateful, God, for this time of celebration at Christmas time. Both a mix of joy and sorrows, and a, uh, a great time to celebrate and be with others, and an opportunity, God, to, to see the blessings you have provided. We would pray, God, as we celebrate and remember Christmas, that you would move in our hearts most significantly to be reminded of your kindness towards us. That while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. We would pray, God, that in our uh, celebrations, we would, we would exalt not in merely the celebrations themselves, but who you are and what you have done. We are grateful, God, for the blessings you have provided. But God, we are more grateful, Lord, that you have provided a way for sinners to be forgiven. I would pray this morning, especially, God, for those of us who do struggle with doubt and fear and question, where our walk with you is marked by times of significant question. God, would you give us the joy of recognizing that you work in our lives because of what you are like, not because of what we are like. We would pray, God, you would give us the joy of seeing the power of your work in our lives. God, we would pray that you would help us to be steadfast till the final day as those who trust you to make us more like Jesus. I pray, God, for those who don't know you and would ask that in these moments you would move them to faith in Christ for forgiveness of sins. We thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for a time to celebrate his birth. In Jesus' name, amen.